Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. Well, this morning, I want to get into God's Word this morning, and uh, as you can imagine, we're going to focus on that time when Jesus was, was coming into Jerusalem on uh, getting ready for the Passover celebration. He entered Jerusalem on a colt, the foal of a donkey, and that's a, a, a picture of peace. He was someone who was coming in peace. He was not coming for war, but coming in peace. A crowd of people lined the way to join the parade. They were waving palm branches, laying them down in front, and they were shouting out praise. I want to read about it from Luke's perspective in his gospel. He said, as he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. And when they reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Can you imagine it? Can you put yourself there? Blessings is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher... Rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And he replied this, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Picture yourself in that day, on that day. Can you imagine if you're there and you see a crowd of people that are coming up and there is Jesus and he's riding on the coal, the foal of a donkey and there he is riding in and palm branches are being waved and shouts of praise are being uttered. It's an amazing time. In fact, if you take a look historically at the calendar and the timetable, this is usually, uh, on that day, would have been the 10th day of the Jewish calendar month of Nisan, not the car. Well, I tell you, you guys are slower than the 9 a.m. service. You ought to be awake. What happened? The Jewish month of Nisan. And on the 10th day, let me tell you what would happen on the 10th day. On the 10th day, before, as they were getting ready for Passover, on the 10th day, that's when they would select the lamb for sacrifice. That would happen then on the 14th day of the month of Nisan where they would sacrifice that land that they chose on the 10th day. Is it any coincidence that Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, would enter into Jerusalem on that day? On that day? Can you think about the timing of that? Why was the crowd shouting praises? What was this stir all about? And what were the Pharisees and other religious leaders so upset about? What were they so up in arms about? Well, Luke 19.37 gives us a little bit of a clue when it says they were praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. I mean, think about the life of Jesus. Think about it from the gospel perspective and the life of Jesus for a moment. Obviously, there were miracles that were done. People were being healed of all kinds of sickness and disease. Lepers were cleansed of their leprosy. The lame were made to walk again. A woman who'd suffered an infirmity for 12 years was healed completely. The deaf were healed and suddenly they could hear. The blind were healed and they could see. And even the dead were raised. Right? 
A crowd of 4,000, 5,000 were fed from a a few small loaves and, and fishes. And people who had been possessed by demons were set free. Amazing miracles that were done. Is this what they were talking about? Well, if we take a look at more details from John's perspective, in John chapter 12, 17 and 18, he records this. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard that he had done this sign. Ultimately, the crowd that had formed was a crowd that had been there. They were the crowd that had witnessed that a man by the name of Lazarus, who had been dead and in a tomb for four days, had been raised to life by Jesus. And Jesus declared in that moment, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus invites us this morning to come alive. He invites us this morning to come alive on this Palm Sunday and throughout this Easter week. I want to encourage you that Jesus wants you to come alive. This crowd, the people, saw that he had raised Lazarus from the dead. And from there, the crowds began to grow. And as we heard last week uh, from Pastor Kevin, on the way to Jerusalem in Luke chapter 19... Jesus here, Jesus stops to, to, to have a visit of a chief tax collector by the name of Zacchaeus. How many are grateful for Pastor Kevin? Didn't he do a great job last week? Amen. Gave me a week off. I appreciate that. <laughs> so this man by the name of Zacchaeus, Jesus stops, has a meal with him, and his life is radically changed. In fact, when you read through the Gospels, it's rare That you ever find someone who encounters Jesus whose life is not radically changed. Whose life is not transformed. In fact, there are some who encountered Jesus whose lives were not transformed. One was a a rich young man. They call him a rich young ruler who came and and, uh, he came to Jesus with a need. And Jesus said to him, go sell all you have and 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 give it to the poor and come follow me. And he walked away. So there are people that Jesus challenges and they walk away and their lives are not touched. There are religious leaders who refuse to humble themselves. Who refuse in their self-righteousness to humble themselves and to receive what Jesus is giving. And so from self-righteous standpoint, you can miss a miracle that Jesus wants to do in your life. But by and large, when you read through the Gospels, people who encountered Jesus, people who came in contact with Jesus were never the same again. A widow in her grief, uh, she, she was burying her son and, uh, and she was already a widow in her grief and Jesus walks on the scene and raises her son from the dead, come alive, and I can guarantee you her life was never the same. Her life was never the same. Jesus encountered a leper, and rather just than speak, he touches him, and he is cleansed. I'm going to tell you something. His life was never the same. People who encounter Jesus, their lives are never the same. And I want to talk to you today about a man who encountered Jesus, and his life was never the same. In fact, on his way for the Passover, this time that we read about where people are saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. While he's on that track, he enters into Jericho. There he stops, and he, he, he meets this man by the name of, of, of Zacchaeus. His life is never the same. But something happens as he heads out of town 15 miles outside of Jerusalem 
on his way for the Passover, on his way to celebrate, something happens. There's an encounter with someone whose life is never the same. We read about it in Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, see how Mark skips over the story of Zacchaeus? There's something. He enters Jericho. Then it says he leaves Jericho. Well, we know from the other gospels to fill it in, he meets with this, ta he meets with this chief tax collector by the name of Zacchaeus, has dinner with him, and his life is radically changed. Now he's on the way out of Jericho and, 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 and with his disciples and a great crowd. All right, the crowd didn't start on Palm Sunday. The crowd was, was beginning to build before this. And Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He began to cry out. And many rebuked him, telling him, be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. Call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Recover. It means he could see at one point. And now he was blind. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. What a remarkable story. What a remarkable story. In fact, I don't know if you realize this or not, but this is the final recorded miracle that we have of Jesus before he went to the cross. There is not another miracle like this before Jesus went to the cross. Jesus healed this man of his blindness. Now, there are some, some important lessons. If you are desperate today for a touch from God, some of you are desperate today. You're desperate in your situation. You don't need, know you need a touch from God, but you're desperate you're desperate in your situation. Over the last, uh, over the last week, maybe, maybe two weeks, maybe a month, maybe a year, maybe it's been longer than that, there has been something that has been going on, and you, you have not been able to find hope. You've been not been able to find healing. You've been dealing with some things that, that have caused you to be in a place where you are desperate. I've got good news for you today. Because Bartimaeus, we're going to learn some lessons from Bartimaeus for the desperate today. We're going to learn some lessons from Bartimaeus for the desperate today. Because Jesus wants you to come alive today. Jesus wants to bring life to you today. Here's the first lesson. Recognize the one who can truly meet your greatest need. Again, Jesus is on his way out of Jericho, 15 miles from Jerusalem, as I mentioned. And, and he's heading to Passover. Imagine the scene. The crowds are swelling. And there's a blind man. And we know his name. His name is Bartimaeus. And he happens to be sitting outside the, the city of Jerusalem. He's on the outskirts of Jerusalem. And, and there he is. He's doing what he does every day. He's begging. He, he can't work because he can't see, he's unable to work, and in that day and age, there was, there was no way that he was able to get anything that he needed. He was, just, he, was, he was blind, he couldn't do anything, he was begging by the side of the road, so he takes up his spot, and he's begging outside of, uh, of Jericho. The crowds are swelling, and can you imagine as he's there, and I want to submit to you today, he might be physically blind, but we're going to see from Bartimaeus, as he was more spiritually perceiving than most. In verse 47, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, 
Jesus, son of David. Here he is. He's sitting there. And he can't see. But something is different about today. Something is different about today. For today, it seems like there are more footsteps. It seems like there's more voices. And they're coming his way. Out of Jericho, coming his way or. Not just one or two people that are passing by, but he begins in the acuity of his hearing to be able to hear more voices and to be able to hear more footsteps as the people begin to come out. And, and, and as, he's, as he's tuning in and listening, he begins to hear a name, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus. Jesus, he, and he begins to hear some of the stories, and, and maybe he hears about, he stopped at the home of this guy, Zacchaeus, and man, I've never seen this chief tax collector change like he did, and maybe in it, he's beginning to hear, yeah, that's the one, that's the one, remember that story of Lazarus that, that was dead for four days, and, and now he's, he's raised to life again, and so, so here he is, he's hearing all of these things, and he begins to cry out, Jesus, son of David! What's so important about what he calls him, David, son of David, son of David? See, he's recognizing what others don't. He's not recognizing Jesus as simply a good teacher or a prophet or, or somebody that was good. He's recognizing him as the Messiah, the one that was prophesied about, the Davidic Messiah that was prophesied, the prophesied one. You see, in his blindness, and he, he is able to, he, he is still able to see, and spiritually he recognizes that he is a man with great need, and he recognizes that there is one who is coming, who is greater, who can meet that need. He is Jesus the son of David, Jesus, the son of David. Before we get to the response of the crowd, let me encourage you today that what he was perceiving was something that most in the crowd were not, and that was Jesus was not just somebody who was ordinary, but Jesus was the one who had been prophesied about and the promised one. As he sits on the outside of Jericho, I want to encourage you that there is rich significance about the very city of Jericho in which he sits on the outskirts of. From a biblical significance standpoint, Jericho is a city of song and story. It's the place where Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. But more than that, remember Jericho was also a limiter. Jericho was the limiter when the, when the Israelites were entering into the promised land. They had to go through Jericho first with all of its high walls. They had to go through Jericho first. And, and how did they gain victory over the limiter in Jericho? How did they gain victory for that? Come on, where are you at Sunday school people? They began to shout. Right? They marched around the walls for seven days, and on the seventh day, they marched around seven times, and then they began to lift up a shout of praise. Jericho represented a victory that was won by a shout of praise to the God who saves, the God who breaks down limitations. And there we have it here on the outside of Jericho, a man who is limited by his blindness, a man who cannot see by his blindness, limited in himself. And here comes a great crowd of people, and he's perceiving that Jesus, the promised one, the son of David, the one who is able to take down any limitations that stand in our way, is walking out towards him. And he 
he must lift up his voice uh, 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 out. He must lift up his voice to over, over the crowd. The crowd is there and pushing in. But if he wants Jesus to heal him, if he wants Jesus to hear him, he's got to lift up his voice. So what does he do? He begins to shout, Jesus, son of David. Jesus, son of David. Oh, friends, isn't that what was happening on that day in Jerusalem? Just a few hours later on, when they march 15 miles down and they begin to enter, Jesus on the cold of a donkey and the crowds began to shout a, shout a praise. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming king of our father. Who? David. Hosanna in the highest. Tradition tells us they were waving palm branches, a symbol a victory, a symbol of victory. In its original context, when we, when we see the word Hosanna in the Hebrew, it is, it is pronounced Hoshiana. And, and it's found in, in Psalm chapter 18 and verse 25. It's a cry to God. And in that psalm, it is, oh Lord, save us. It's a cry of help. Oh Lord, save us. And that's kind of where you find Barnabas, save us, have mercy on me, son of David. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. It's a, it's a cry of, uh, 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 of help. But then something happens. Something happens in verse 26 because immediately that is followed by an exclamation of blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And somehow Hosanna moves from the Old Testament, uh, Lord save us, to the New Testament to a cry of victory where it is hooray for salvation is coming. Salvation is here. It changes. Is here. Bartimaeus recognized there was something different about Jesus. He wasn't a, a prophet or a teacher. He was, he was the Messiah. He was the Son of God. But what's more than that? He recognized it wasn't just the fulfillment of a prophecy or a promise, but Jesus was the one who provides mercy. See, our greatest need, our desperate need, is knowing who to cry out to. Who knowing who to cry out to. Sometimes we cry out to the wrong people. People who can't really help us. Sometimes our shout of cries go in the wrong direction. Bartimaeus wasn't calling to the crowd. He was calling and recognizing Jesus, the son of David, the one who would have mercy. Son of David, have mercy on me. He was recognizing that he could not help himself. He was recognizing his own limitation. And he was asking for the mercy of God in his limitation. I want you to understand something. When you are desperate and you need Jesus, it begins by recognizing your need and calling out to the one who can meet your need. That's what John Stott did. He was a biblical scholar, but in his biography, he talked about that day when he met Jesus. He said, I was defeated. I knew the kind of person I was and the kind I longed to be. Between the reality and ideal, there was a great gulf. And what brought me to Christ was the sense of defeat and the astonishing news that the historic Christ offered to meet the very needs from which I was most conscious. Are you in a place where where I am is not where I want to be? 
Where I am is not where I want to be. Who I am is not who I know I'm meant to be. There's a gulf in between. How do you get, how how do you connect that gulf? What's the answer from who I am to where I want to be? The limitations that I have where they just keep holding me down and I keep going through the same patterns over and over and over and over and I need victory and I need salvation and I need an answer and I need a miracle in my life. How do I get to the place where I received the miracle it's understanding who stands in the gulf who stands in the middle who is able to to bridge the gulf and change you from who you are to who he wants you to be it's Jesus Bartimaeus was blind and understood his limitations but he wanted to see and the only way he could see was to cry out to Jesus the son of David have mercy on me Oh, but friends, friends, there are people that want to shut you up. There's voices in the crowd. Don't let the voices in the crowd quiet your desperate cry. Mark 10, 48, and many rebuked him, telling him, be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Rebuke, that's a strong word. In fact, the Oxford Dictionary defines rebuke this way, to express sharp disapproval or criticism of someone because of their behavior or actions. You ever been rebuked before? They were rebuked. This is the the crowd. The crowd who he relied on coming out of Jericho, relied on for alms, and they're telling him, shut up. Hey, be quiet. Nobody wants to hear your voice. Jesus isn't going to listen to you. You're a dumb, blind beggar on the side of the road. Who are you? You're a sinner. That's why you're blind. That's why you lost your sight, because you probably sinned, and that's why you've lost it. Why would Jesus care about you? We got bigger and better things we're doing. Be quiet. Be quiet. The external voices, be quiet. I imagine somebody walked by and kicked him. Be quiet, Bartimaeus. What are you yelling? I can imagine that not only were the exterior voices, but I can imagine there were some interior voices he had to get past. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I'm not worthy. Jesus won't care about me. Why would he even listen to my cry? Who am I? Well, I'm just a blind beggar. I probably deserve this. That's what people have been telling me. I probably did something to deserve it. I I don't deserve any mercy. Why should I yell out? Is anybody even going to hear me over this crowd? Come on, there are external voices of people that are telling you, don't cry out to Jesus. Jesus can't meet your need. And there are internal voices inside of you questioning and wondering, can Jesus really heal my need? Should I really respond to that? Should I really cry out to him? If you want your miracle, if you want the salvation that Jesus brings, if you want to get from where you are to where God can take you, you've got to overcome the voices that are telling you to be quiet you got to overcome that. That's it. That's it. Yeah, have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy. Yeah. It's you. Yeah, have mercy. Have mercy. Yeah. Have mercy. Come on. On that day, on that day when they were coming into Jerusalem, 
right? They're coming in with praise. They'd seen the miracles. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And what happens? What, what do the Pharisees say? What do the self-righteous religious folks say? What, what do they say? But some of the Pharisees among the crowd, teacher, rebuke, there it is, rebuke your followers from saying things like that. Hold back their praise. Hold back their praise. Hold back their praise. Let me tell you something. The enemy wants to hold back your praise. The enemy does not want you praising because there is victory in praise. Just like the walls of Jericho came down, there is victory when you praise. There is victory when you praise. There is victory when you praise. There is salvation when you praise. There is salvation when you praise. Bartimaeus cried out all the more. Jesus said if they don't cry out, the very stones are going to cry out. Right? Oh, but what do we got to do? What do we got to do? Well, there's, a, there's something that we might miss in this story. You got to let go of some of the things you're holding on to for security. You got to let go of some of the things you're holding on to. Verse 49, call him. And they called the blind man saying, take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Now, you might not understand what a cloak is, but, but to give you some cultural perspective here, there's a significance in that culture. There were two articles of clothing that were very important for you to have, your cloak and your tunic. Both these garments function like a raincoat or something like a, like a, a blanket to keep you warm at night or keep the elements off of you. Furthermore, in ancient times, this was an important piece. It was an exterior tunic, wide, long enough to reach down to the ankles, but without sleeves. Now, now this is what the Bible says about cloaks in the Old Testament. This is how important they were. I want to read one verse, Exodus 22. If you take your neighbor's cloak as security for a loan, you must return it before sunset. This coat may be the only blanket your neighbor has. How can a person sleep without it? If you do not return it and your neighbor cries out to me for help, then I'll hear, for I am merciful. There's that word, merciful. God is a God of mercy. But listen, there's value in the cloak. Why? Because the cloak is something that you could actually give to someone. It was so valuable. You'd give it to someone to hold on to it when they gave you a loan until you paid it back. But if you didn't pay it back by the time darkness came, they were required to give it back to you to keep warm. And if they didn't give it back to you, then they could be in danger of God coming upon them when you cry out and say, this is injustice. That's how important a, a cloak was. But beyond that, for blind Bartimaeus, not only was it something valuable to secure a loan that he could have given to secure a loan for a blind man, but also it was a tool that he used in collecting alms. So here he is sitting on the side of the road outside of Jerusalem, and he spreads out his cloak. Why? Because when he's begging and people come by, if they're going to throw change, he wants them to throw it into the cloak. Why? Because if he doesn't have his cloak, where are they going to throw it? They're going to throw it on the hard ground. What happens to coins when you throw them on the hard ground? They go everywhere. For a blind man, right, that's pretty bad. Because then you got to grope around and you got to try to find it. So this was his way of collecting the alms that he had. It was his way of staying warm at night. It was something he could use as security for a loan. It was really, really important to him. But when Jesus says, call him and come, he throws the cloak. He lets go of his security. He lets go of his economy. He lets go of the very thing that would help him gain what earthly possessions he needs. And he says, no, 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 I'm not letting it hold me back. Beyond that, it was long and if he had it on if he's caught up he might trip on it and for a blind man that's not a good thing to do he throws out every hindrance everything that entangles he puts it aside he lets go of the security and he comes to Jesus 
Friends, if you want a miracle in your life, if you are desperate, you've got to let go of some of the things you've been hanging on to, some of those things that are tripping you up, some of those things that you're trusting in and relying on for your security, for your peace, that are not causing you peace, but you're hanging on to it because it's the only thing you know. But if you want Jesus, you got to let go of some of those things. you got to begin to throw those things aside. There are some things you got to let go of to receive the miracle that Jesus wants to give and bring into your life. Miracle that Jesus wants to bring into your life. To close, I want to take you through what happens next. Mark 10, 49. When Jesus heard him, he's crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, right? Here it is. Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. This is the New Living Translation. I love this now. Cheer up, they said. Come, he's calling you. Bartimaeus is crying out for mercy. He has been limited by his blindness. He has been down and limited by his blindness. The crowd told him to be quiet, but he called out all the more. And here's, this is what the crowd now, suddenly they turn. And rather than tell him to be quiet, they say to him, cheer up. There are some of you who have been in a hole, and I'm telling you right now, cheer up. Cheer up, because the son of David is calling you today. The son of David wants to meet your need today. The son of David wants to bring healing to you today. For some of you, the son of David wants to bring salvation to you today. Some of you need deliverance in your life today. You have been desperate. But if you will cry out to the Lord, if you will cry out to the Lord, he's calling you. He's saying, cheer up, cheer up, for I'm calling you, I'm calling you, I'm calling you. And then Bartimaeus gets up, and he gets there, and Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? That sounds like a dumb question for a blind man who's coming. What do you want me to do for you? Ah, duh, I want to see. But here's the problem. Let let me, let me, let me, why would Jesus ask that? Because I'm going to tell you right now, some of you don't really know what you want Jesus to do in your life. There's some initial problems you think are the problems you want Jesus to fix. But Jesus wants to go down a little bit deeper and fix some blindness you have going on inside of your heart. There's some blindness that's going on inside of your heart. And Jesus isn't looking to just fix and put a band-aid on the other situations. He wants to go deeper that will bring true transformation to your heart. For Bartimaeus, it was blindness, but he was able to cry out, Son of David, because he was able to perceive what others didn't. But there are some of you that you think there's something that you want Jesus to do that he's going to fix. And you've been praying. You say, why isn't he fixing it? Because that's not the real problem. You know there's a real problem going on deep down inside in your heart. You know there's a deeper issue that's really causing the desperation inside. And Jesus wants to meet that need. Jesus wants to save that need. He wants to save your soul. He wants to forgive your sin. He wants to clear out your shame and your guilt and get down to the root of your fear. And he wants to bring transformation to your heart. He wants to open your spiritual eyes. What? What do you want me to do for you? And that's the question, worship team, will you come? That's the question. What do you want me to do for you? What's the desperation of your heart? What's the desperation of your soul? What are you sick and tired of dealing with over and over and over again? What addiction are you finally going to say, I'm done with, I'm tired of battling this, I'm tired of this wrecking my life, holding me captive and keeping me bound? What is it that you're desperate in? 
What is the hurt or the pain or the unforgiveness that you haven't let go of? And Jesus is saying, won't you let me touch that? That's what I want to touch and heal. It's wrecking every relationship you're in, every friendship that you have, every relationship that you find yourself in because you won't let Jesus touch that need. You got to let it go. It's, you're holding on to it. That hurt, you're holding on to it. For what? For what? What, what area do you need help in? What, what, is your, what are you trusting in that Jesus is saying, don't trust in that. That's getting you nowhere. That's leaving you empty. You keep trying that, and it ain't working. It's not getting you from here to here. What do you want me to do for you? So let me tell you what happens. When you, when you throw it aside, that security... When you cry out in your desperation and you stand up and you say to Jesus, Jesus, I need you to heal this. I need you to heal the hurt that I've experienced from my childhood. I need you to set me free from this addiction that is ruining my life. I, I need your salvation. I need forgiveness. I need mercy. I need grace. When you cry out, let me tell you what happens. When Jesus comes and he meets your need and he opens up your eyes, when Jesus begins to come, guess what happens? Your cry of desperation turns into a cry of praise. You see, what we see that happens here is that, that Bartimaeus then, it, it, oh, come on, this is, this is really good. This is really good. I got to go all the way back to the beginning of my notes to see it. And immediately, and immediately he recovered his sight and followed him along the way. Immediately, he recovered his sight and followed him along the way. Where were they going? 15 miles outside of Jericho, where were they going? What was going to happen later on that day? Where were they going to end up? They were going to end up in Jerusalem with Jesus riding in. And here they are. Oh, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. A, a cry of desperation in Bartimaeus turned into later a cry of praise. And God wants to turn your cry of desperation into a cry of praise. God wants to turn your cry of desperation into a cry of praise. He wants to transform your life. He wants to change your life. He wants to bring a miracle to you today. Now you can listen to the voices and you can stay in your seat. You can listen to the voices and stay in your seat and stay down. Or you can respond and begin to cry out to Jesus like Bartimaeus did and receive your miracle today. And receive what Jesus wants to do in your life today. So I'm going to pray right now, and then I'm going to open up these altars. And I just, if you're desperate, I just want you to just come and run and cry out to Jesus today. If you're desperate, I want you to run and cry out to Jesus today. And we're going to pray for you. We just want to believe that Jesus is going to give you your miracle today. He's going to bring peace. He's going to turn your cry of desperation into a cry of praise. Father, right now, Holy Spirit, I just come against the voices that would want to silence the cry of desperation in the hearts that are here today. God, the hearts of those that are online that need to fall on their face and begin to cry out and let you transform them in their living room or wherever they're at today watching online. Jesus, for those that are here today, right now, the need, you know the deepest need in their heart. You know the deepest need that they've been facing. You know the desperation in their hearts. And God, I pray that today you'd silence the voices that hold them back and today we'd respond and people would be set free today and people would be healed today and miracles would take place and salvation would take place today. Peace would come and lives would be transformed in Jesus' name. Do it, do it, do it, do it, 
do it, Jesus, do it, Jesus, do it, Jesus. Come on, if that's you today and you just need to respond, I just want you to just come. Will you just respond and come? Will you come and just fall down and just cry out to Jesus today at these altars? Whatever you need in your life today, will you just come and cry out to Jesus today? Come and cry out to Jesus today. Come on, let's stand up and the worship team is going to lead us. And if you need prayer, will you come and let us pray for you today? Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.